time for Jay's Talk. MLB.com's Julia Kreutz is here alongside me, and we're taking your calls at 416-870-0590, on the cell. And you can text us as well at 590-590. And Julia, I got to say, I had said in the pregame, right before first pitch, I had said that it was going to be a pitcher's duel today. Yes. Uh, Shane Bieber, one of the better, dare I say, one of the more underrated pitchers from like a household name perspective, maybe in, in all of baseball. Like when people, when you think of the best pitchers in baseball, you probably think of like Garrett Cole and I've, I've said Corbin Burns and so on, right? Like I think Garrett Cole probably is the, num- the name at the top of most people's minds. And of course, Kevin Gossman, since he signed what, $110 million deal, he's somehow only gotten better since yes. leaving San Francisco. But uh, we did not get a pitcher's duel today. Absolutely not. Not today, show. And it is uh, quite surprising. <laughs> it, um, a good development for the Blue Jays, you know, sort of uh, snapping out of that funk with runner, runners in scoring position, racking up the walks in this one, and um, putting together a very solid hitting game all around from up and down the lineup. As you said before, you know, three RBIs coming from Tapia, the seven and eight, nine uh, hitters produced amazingly over 600 uh, OBP in this game. And so it has been, uh, it it was uh, an uncharacteristic start for, uh, for Shane Bieber in this one. Yeah. Shane Bieber, again, he is someone who I think by and large is one of the better pitchers in all of major league baseball. But Ben and Tabby said this at, at points throughout the broadcast. I don't know if he was just dealing with something. I don't know if it was the wind that was affecting him, but he was walking tons of guys today and that that is not something that's really in I mean all pitchers walk people it's it's a fact of the game right but he was really uncharacteristically he had an uncharacteristic lack of command today which is not something you expect to see from someone like Shane Bieber yeah and it might be the wind it may very well be the wind you're talking about pitchers walking guys Kevin Gosman walked someone today <laughs> You can't blame any pitcher under these conditions. And we were seeing that the wind was really affecting um, not only pitchers, but also, you know, with those pop-ups and, yeah. and, and fly balls, you could see um, fielders struggling to track the ball there. So I would not be surprised if that indeed played a factor. Of course, it's no excuse. But guys have um, have days where they, the, the command is just not there. Their stuff's not the best. And that's what happened to Shane Bieber today. And the Blue Jays rightfully took advantage of it, um, used the opportunity to snap out of the funk, get a bunch of runs, which is something that has been uh, elusive for them and built um, a very large lead against something that's been elusive for them uh, to get the 8-3 win. Yeah, boy, I mean, how many games have we watched, everyone, media, fans, basically the entire season, where they're either down big and have to claw their way back, or it's been a tight one from beginning to end, right? And again, you see over the last couple of days, uh, weeks even, you go back to the, Yan- the game against the Yankees, the 2-1 win on, on Star Wars Day. You see the uh, Romano loading the bases and you, you're sweating that one out. And again, you have confidence in the Blue Jays' best players, like people like Jordan Romano and, and the hitters and so on. But boy, it, it, I got to say, when they went up... I think even five to one earlier in the, like around the middle of the game, I thought to myself, please let them keep pouring this on right. because I think, I think I can safely speak for everyone, everyone being the media and fans that I think people wanted to see 
a big time win. And I mean, five runs is not like the largest margin of victory in the world. But again, based on the, the past, what, three to four weeks of Blue Jays baseball, I think you'll take a five run win and you will run, run away with that because there haven't been that many wins more than what, two runs all season. That's exactly it. I believe that the last time that they won by a margin that was larger than one run was, yeah, April 25th. I just pulled it up here. April 25th against the Red Sox and then uh, today against the Guardians. Now, um, this is something that we have discussed throughout the season, the the lack of run support. And when you give Blue Jays pitchers, when when the hitters are giving Blue Jays pitchers that run support, it allows them, it allows Trent Thornton to load the bases and it allows uh, Julian Merriweather uh, some space, some room to, you know, get his, find his footing there in the game. And even if they allow a couple of extra runs for the Guardians, the fact that the Blue Jays tacked on um, all those runs, it means that the, that the pitchers also have uh, a margin for error. And that's something that Charlie Monteo has been, has been saying a lot that these games have no room for error. Yeah. And so the pitchers have to be absolutely perfect at all times, and that's good because the Blue Jays have an awesome pitching core uh, from starters to bullpen to especially their closer, reliever of the month, Jordan Romano. Oh, yeah. But when they get those runs, it makes things a lot easier. And this is what I believe Blue Jays fans are going to start seeing more of once this uh, this offense really finds its footing and gets warm and... Uh, and the, hopefully for Blue Jays fans and for the Blue Jays here, uh, the pitching core continues to do its job as well as it has so far. So let's spend some time here talking about Kevin Gossman because, I mean, obviously he was he was fantastic today. I said that I, I went with Springer ultimately for the player of the game, but I could have easily gone with Kevin Gossman. He went six and a third, six hits, one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts. And again, on a day that was, I feel like even, even watching on television, you hear it on the radio, it just... It does. It kind of belied how how windy it actually was out there. It's hard to tell, but even from the uniforms billowing across their bodies, I think you could tell a little bit. And that and it's interesting, right? Because we talked about how the wind can affect different pitchers and and their different pitches. And specifically, and again, Ben Wagner talked about this on the broadcast. But the splitter from Kevin Gossman, I feel like, is something maybe more than a four or two seam fastball can, can be easily affected by something that's really windy. And I mean, you look, if you're, if you were able at all, at all to watch the visuals of this game, you'd be able to see the trees moving in the background behind, uh, behind center field, the flags billowing stiffly. People were really bundled up because of the stiff breeze. Right. So, and again, that's a thing in whenever they, any, any teams in any sport go down to Cleveland because the, the Cleveland is right next to Lake. I guess it's like eerie. The winds come right off the lake and it's super windy down there. So again, that's something that could, that could really affect us. A pitch like the splitter and Kevin Gossman still managed to, to make it work for six and a third. I absolutely love the little bit of culture and geography that you brought to this broadcast. <laughs> I've never been to Cleveland. I'll, just, I'll so just say much. that. I have I haven't either, but I believe every word, every single word you just said. And if you haven't seen anything else, go look at Charlie Montoyo. Just an image of Charlie Montoyo in this game. It was cold yeah. and it was windy, and that was evidenced by Charlie Montoyo. But yeah, again, he looked like he was dressed for like a Toronto winter. Honestly, look, whatever works for him. Yeah, <laughs> I know that he's from Central America, and uh, he's he was probably uh, very cold. Um, yeah, but Kevin Gosman, I mean. I, I I understand why you went with George Springer as player of the game because Gosman has set the bar so high for himself that oh he had a base a base on ball today well then he's definitely not the player of the game yeah. right he didn't go seven <laughs> innings why well, he's not the player of the game yeah but again true. um 
certainly the Blue Jays appreciate his going uh, long into the game and deep into the game. It is a doubleheader. He saved that bullpen a couple of innings for sure, even going back into the seventh. Uh, his streak is over of, uh, of innings without a, a single walk. Um, he hadn't issued a single walk this season. It came in this game. The, un- the 137th batter he faced, he went 35 and one-third innings without a single walk. He struck out 45 batters before issuing his uh, first walk of the season. This is looking like a Cy Young uh, campaign. I know it's early, but how are you not talking about that uh, at this point with Kevin Gosman? I mean, like you think about the people in the Cy Young conversation. I'm just trying to think non-Blue Jays pitchers off the top of my head. I mean, coming in today, I would have said Shane Bieber, honestly. Odds-wise, I think I think after Gosman coming into today, Bieber was odds the next favorite, I want to say, right? So uh, I don't know if that's going to change a lot after one start. I guess we'll have to keep seeing. But Gosman, by and large, even when he quote-unquote struggles, and again, I... I, I sound like a homer. I think you can probably attribute a lot of that to the to the weather today, but he's still gutted through six and a third and he has been eight innings, seven innings a lot this year. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say he's not the front runner right now as of what May 7th, May 7th here, 2022, right? Maybe that changes by June 7th. Maybe, right? Maybe Alec Manoa is that guy instead. <laughs> Again, maybe that's a, maybe that's a homer take, but uh, I mean, you're always going to have guys like Garrett Cole and, I guess like Logan Gilbert is pretty good this year as well for Seattle. And there are a couple other pitchers as well. You probably, maybe Justin Verlander, he's having a pretty good year. We saw him earlier in the year uh, with the Astros and so on. He's making his, his big return. So there are other names in there for sure. But again, after signing that big time contract in the off season, the blue Jays letting Robbie Ray walk Gossman has looked phenomenal. It, Julia, is that the most unhittable pitch in major league baseball, the splitter? Look, I, um, when the, the Astros were in town and I was covering the Astros for MLB.com, someone right. asked Dusty Baker, well, what's the secret? What's the, what's the plan against Kevin Gosman? Uh, are you going to lay off the split? And Dusty Baker sort of shrugs, lifts his arms up, and he's like, how do you lay off the split? I mean, <laughs> how, do you, how do you do it? It's, uh, it's so uh, confusing for hitters, and it, it sort of... It, it breaks so fast and it disappears and it's it's really hard. And and, and and to me, like just hearing Dusty Baker say that was hilarious because what what sort of game plan, you know, the, the, the reporter just like, what what do you do with that? And Dusty Baker shrugs and says, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out, I guess. <laughs> Boy, it's it's true. The if you ever if you ever interested in seeing really getting the visualization of this, if you have a Twitter account, there's this fun Twitter account called um, at pitching ninja and pitching it's one of the more popular baseball twitter accounts i think out there but one of the things they do is they overlay pitches on top of one another so you can actually see very easily the release point that when the ball comes out of a guy's hand and i think it's it's really cool to see with someone like gosman because you'll see the exact same launch angle and the his arm coming in the in the same way and the the ball coming out of his his knuckles the exact same way as well and then all of a sudden the ball will move in a completely different fashion it's it's they do it for all pitchers not just gosman obviously but i gotta say it's one of the cooler ways to actually because i think you in your mind you you know this right but when you're watching on television and obviously on the radio, you can't see it, but you know, you, I think it's the baseballs move too fast for the human eyeball to really tell, Certainly. to really see it and appreciate it. I feel like sometimes, which is why I think we all appreciate a uh, slow-mo re- instant replay, but that kind of stuff is really cool to see. If you ever uh, are curious to see how the splitter moves 
for someone like Kevin Gossman. Another quick tidbit on Gossman. He got an average of 3.2 runs in, so, in support, Julia, over the first five starts of the year. So I got to say, it's nice to see the Blue Jays lend him more than that, basically right away, right? The Blue Jays were leading 4 nothing in the second inning. So it's good to see they, they got that run support and they didn't look back. And it'll be interesting to see if they keep it up in the second game of the doubleheader show, especially with uh, with a Ross Stripling start here. We know that Ross Stripling doesn't usually go deep into games. He's usually a four or five inning guy, and uh, that bullpen is going to get a little more work. And so, some run support would do them uh, a lot, um, a lot of good. Yeah, we'll see how far, how long Ross Stripling goes today in game two of the doubleheader. Maybe maybe two and a and a half times through the order, maybe, maybe not even a full three times through the order. I would imagine, like you said, that probably takes you to the fourth, maybe fifth inning, depending right. on how the game goes. But that's MLB.com's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. You're listening to Jay's Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll continue discussing the bottom of the order. Lots of production from the bottom four today. Uh, Rymel Tapia, especially being one of those guys. And uh, again, the usage of the bullpen. But we'll step aside when we come back. Jay's Talk continues. I'm show that's Julia on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali alongside Julia Kreutz from MLB.com. We are here until first pitch of game two, which has now said to be 6.15 p.m. Eastern, 3.15 p.m. Pacific. So uh, take your bathroom breaks. Get a coffee, maybe, if you're sitting on the couch all day. It's a busy sports day, actually. Lots of there's hockey going on right now. Tons of other ba- baseball games. There's some NBA playoff action. It's the it's the one of the best times of the year, Julia. Yes, as many baseball games as there have been cancellations today. Yes, that's true. Interestingly. <laughs> tons of tons of postponements. Absolutely tons of postponements. Uh, let's check in on the Bet365 standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 63 million members worldwide. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. And uh, the Yankees are 18 and 7. No baseball today. You mentioned the postponements. They got rained out today and yesterday, and they were actually off the day before. And uh, lots of people, I guess, making much ado about, I guess it was like Anthony Rizzo and, and Aaron Judge drinking, each drinking a third of a beer at the Rangers game. So I guess uh, lots of people getting uh, getting very excited about the Yankees. But hey, I guess they have more time to do that now because they are not playing today. I, I guess we'll see when those uh, games against the Rangers get rescheduled too. Uh, the Rays are in second place at 17 and 10. The Jays are, uh, I guess, a half game back now after winning game one. They are 17 and 11. The O's are 10 and 16. And just like we all thought, the Boston Red Sox in dead last in the AL East at uh, 10 and 17. So I expect the Red Sox and O's to be jockeying for that position, Julia, I would imagine for much of the year. Oh, you kid. You kid show. No, that's not going to that's not going to last long. I don't think I I do believe that the Orioles are going to. Um, take back their their rightful spot as a last place in the AL East, but it is definitely surprising um, to see the Red Sox struggle as much as they have so far this year. It's true they they have struggled. It's true. Um, I I gotta say I think when it comes to the Red Sox, I kind of thought they would be closer to third place. You know, I, I don't. Right. I didn't think they would challenge to win the division. I think a lot of people said it would be either the Blue Jays or the Yankees. But still, for them to struggle as much and to be—I mean, at this point, they're a half game back of the Orioles. So like you said, it's probably going to change at some point. But boy, the Red Sox have not looked very good so far this year. 
No, and you know, it's it's uh, very possible that they'll turn it around and vie for a for a wild card spot. They've been doing it for the past couple of years now, as have the Yankees. And it's funny to me, show that last time I was here, you asked me, oh, you know, like it doesn't seem <laughs> like the Yankees are as special or as dangerous as they've been in past years. And I said, well, just you wait, they're going to win ten games in a row, and we're going to hoping you wouldn't bring that up. And we're going to have a very different. Well, I don't forget, show. <laughs> I don't forget. I uh, well, I, you, look, I have you, a very long memory for you, that stuff. You did say ten games in a row, and uh, they actually won eleven games in a row. Right. So well, and then I I should be more precise <laughs> with my predictions. Um, I apologize for that, but yeah, no, the Blue Jays have another chance here to to inch a little bit closer to that number one spot, and it wouldn't be far fetched uh, for them to 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 win game two as well. You're listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side baseball fans. Again, you're listening to Blue Jays Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We've got a couple minutes left here before we start getting set for game two of this doubleheader. Again, that game goes in about 15 minutes time from now. Um, something we haven't spoken a ton about, the, the production from the bottom of the order in game one. And we were and I were kind of talking about this off the air as the game was going on, Julia. And... Uh, Matt Chapman, Santiago Espinal, Alejandro Kirk, and Raymond Tapia combining for, let's see here, uh, seven hits, four walks, no, more than that, yeah, four, five walks, and three RBI from Raymond Tapia. Never do math on the air. I was trying to do it, uh, look, eyes flicking all over here. Never do math live, but, Never but still. Never do math, period, show. <laughs> Please I, I, go on. If we could get away, if I could get away with that in my daily, my daily, my day to day, I think I, I would be very happy. But alas, but still, one hit and a walk from Chapman, a hit and three walks from Espinal, three hits and a walk from Kirk, and two hits and three RBI from Tapia. Is that sustainable? Is that kind of stuff going to be something we're going to see more of? And I'm not even—I don't even mean in game two of this doubleheader, but just as the season goes on, especially from Espinal, Kirk. And Tapia. Yeah, Matt Chapman is a guy who strikes out a lot. It's yeah. kind of in his game. But the other three guys that you mentioned, they are consistently putting up good at bats. Uh, they are consistently, you know, drawing up walks. And that's what we saw in in tenfold for in this first doubleheader, uh, first game of the doubleheader. I believe it is sustain, uh, sustainable to a certain degree. Of course, we're not going to see a 6-6-7 on-base percentage from the from the bottom three every game. But the fact is that Raimel Tapia, Alejandro Kirk, and Santiago Espinal are very patient hitters. They are hitters that see the ball very well and wait for their for their pitch. And so, yes, it is sustainable to a certain point, and we should um, see a lot of production from the bottom of the Blue Jays lineup as well moving forward. I am interested, right, because Tapia in particular – I think we have gotten more of Tapia than I think we ever expected we would have this early on in the season. Again, when the trade happened, I think everyone looked at that and said, okay, well, yeah, he's going to see playing time because Springer is not going to play 162 ball games. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez is going to DH at some point. Lourdes is going to DH at some point. You kind of you kind of got the sense that he was always going to be the fourth outfielder. He has played a lot of baseball so far this season. And anytime you get three RBI from the guy batting ninth, you'll take that and you run with that. Absolutely. But I got to say, I mean, even in addition to those fantastic plays you see him making the outfield, like going out of sight in the camera and right into the corners of places like Fenway and the Bronx and so on, he has made some pretty impressive plays, a lot of impressive plays at Rogers Center as well. I, I just, I'm curious what your evaluation through a 17 and 11 record of Tapia has been. Yeah, he's the guy that he came in 
I believe he was the player, the qualified hitter that most hit balls in the ground. Yes. And we're seeing a sort of a shift in that. He is hitting the ball in the air a little bit more. He's uh, he's learning and practicing, sort of pulling the ball and, and getting that pop that maybe wasn't there, that wasn't on his bat before. So he's a guy that he's he's still progressing. He has a lot to offer in terms of defense, like you said, in terms of um, uh, speed on the on the bases. We've seen his base running is top level. It is. It has been top level all season. And he's still taking that next step uh, at the plate. So he's still working on it. He is very patient. He's not swinging necessarily, not chasing balls out of the zone that often. He has his frustrating moments. I believe he had a strikeout uh, in the in this first game here against Cleveland today. And you could see that he was frustrated sort of through his bat. Um, it's going to happen. He's he's still young and he's still developing. But it's those adjustments and the, the, the work with Guillermo Martinez, the Blue Jays hitting coach, the fact that he's attentive to that and he's cognizant of that, it, it, it bodes well for him. And again, he's not going to, we're, we're probably going to see a regression of uh, playing time for Rymel Tapia. But when you look at him and a guy like Bradley Zimmer, who's also maybe vying for that fourth outfielder spot, and you look at Br- Bradley Zimmer and the amount of times that he strikes out, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, Rymel Tapia is in a very good position to, to be the fourth outfielder for the Blue Jays moving forward. Again, he's not going to be in this lineup. Um, in the, with this consistency for long, but uh, he's doing his job really well. No Tapia in game number two. He is not in the lineup. Teoscar Hernandez does make his return. He'll be in right field. Uh, the the outfield at the very least, we'll get to the starting lineups in a little bit here, but uh, Teoscar Hernandez in right, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in left. Springer is DHing, which means Bradley Zimmer, who you just spoke about, is in center field. And yeah, yeah, Bradley Zimmer's batting average. You look at the the numbers here, and everyone is above two. Bradley Zimmer has a batting average of 081. That is that is his batting average right now. So uh, again, he makes some pretty, and he's made some fantastic plays. I don't want to undersell him on the on the plays in the outfield, but the the bat it leaves a lot to be desired. And if that's what your major league bat is, I I don't know, Julie. I just don't know that you're going to get too many opportunities well, when, the, when it comes to the plate. Right. Uh, the, the The Blue Jays had hopes for him at the plate. That's something that Charlie Montoyo spoke about when the trade happened. They do think that there's something there to explore that's 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 a little more than what we've seen. We haven't seen it yet, but like you said, he is uh, a, an amazing defender, a good base runner, and if he can just make those adjustments, uh, he might have some success at the plate as well. Some news here as well. Ryan Barucki being reinstated from the 10-day IL with that left middle finger blister. He is active for the second game of today's doubleheader and to make room on the active roster Julian Merriweather getting optioned down to Buffalo. So some roster moves being made ahead of today's second game of the doubleheader. Teoscar Hernandez is in the lineup. So the return of Teo for game two of this doubleheader today in Cleveland. So a less crisp outing, Julia, for the the Blue Jays in game number two. They split the doubleheader. They win 8-3 in the game number one. They lose 8-2 in game number two. Blue Jays are now, what, 17-12 and 12 on the year. So they are now a full game back of the Rays who are in action later tonight. But, 
boy, I, I got to say, we can start wherever you want, but I feel like I feel like Ross Stripling has always been the topic conversation whenever he's the starter, if only because he hasn't been a starter, you know, very long this season, particularly only coming in with Hyunjin Ryu injured. What did you make of of Ross Stripling today? He only went the four innings, four earned runs. What did you make of Stripling today? Very Ross Stripling like outing from him, I would say. Uh, show it, it. That's what Stripling does when he is the starter. He doesn't go deep into games. We know that. Uh, he will likely, if this outing tells me anything, is that he'll likely go back into the bullpen once the once Ryu is healthy. There's still a lot of conversation about will the Blue Jays uh, continue with a six-man rotation right. or will uh, Ross Stripling go back into the bullpen? I feel like he would be more comfortable and the Blue Jays would be more comfortable if Ross Stripling went back to the bullpen as a a, a bulk reliever. I feel like that would be the ideal uh, scenario because we see that he has a lot to offer. But then he also, you know, leaves a 91-mile-per-hour fastball right in the middle of the plate that Fran Reyes just destroys. So it's a... It's... It's it's very Ross Stripling show. That's what I can tell you. Yeah, that Reyes home run was a bomb. Like, he clobbered that home run out of progressive field, it looked like. I know he hit into, like, the food court area of the of the, of the outdoor stadium. But, yeah, Ross Stripling... I You know, it's a good point you bring up because when it comes to Stripling... And his potential role as a bulk reliever, you know, you kind of it kind of begs the question: who is who else is in that role right now? And there isn't really anyone who would have that role right now. Like, I guess it could have been Trent Thornton. I don't know how much faith people have in Trent Thornton in higher leverage situations. Like if this if the game is a if it's a one run game after what we've seen in the past, I don't know, week or so. What people are people super comfortable in? Trent Thornton being that guy. Maybe I know there was some question of Julian Merriweather being the mop up guy. If you're down big or maybe up big, but he has got option to triple a today. So maybe he comes back up at some point, but it's probably not Julian Merriweather other than stripling though. Who is, who is in that role for you? I think that that's what the blue Jays are trying to figure out with a guy like Casey Lawrence. Casey Lawrence went two innings today, allowed an earned run. It, this is definitely a test sort of a, a, a gamble in in some ways, bringing Casey Lawrence up and uh, seeing what he can do in that long reliever, uh, in that long reliever role in the major leagues. Now he hasn't pitched in the majors in a while, so the Blue Jays still need to see what he can do. Today was probably a good indication that he has something in the tank. There, obviously, they would have rather he. He uh, throw a, a scoreless couple of innings there, but I think that that's what they're trying to address with bringing a guy up uh, such as Casey Lawrence. But you're right. There aren't that many options right now in that bullpen. Obviously, Trevor Richards, Adam Simber, uh, Tim Mesa, these guys have been phenomenal, but they've been phenomenal for an inning, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And so that has become sort of a question mark for a bullpen that has been really good so far this year. You could probably ask someone like Mesa to get you four outs, probably, right? You could probably ask Adam Simber to get you four outs, but asking anything beyond that, like, you, I mean, we keep using the word bulk reliever, asking anything beyond that, I think is is probably, like, that That goes back to the conversation we were having at this point last year when, I mean, injuries played a huge part in it, and so guys were being forced into situations they should have never been forced into, but that's the kind of thing. You, you don't want to be forcing Tim Mesa Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, even Jordan Romano. I think they're going to be careful with their star closer, but even him, you don't want those guys to be forced into situations that 
they just should just never be in in the first place, essentially. And that would not be even really be Charlie Montoya's fault. It's just injuries and guys not performing as you might expect and so on. But you just don't want to be putting your top four relievers, let's say, in that position to begin with. Especially with guys, that's exactly it. They're so valuable for this team. And with series coming up against the Yankees and the Rays, yeah. they're going to need them. And uh, today, you know, losing, trailing badly in the second game of the doubleheader, that was probably not the time to bring in a high-leverage reliever. So that's why you need the guys like Trent Thornton, like Casey Lawrence, like Jillian Merriweather, even if he does find his way back into the major leagues uh, soon. So it's a, it, the bullpen balance, to me, is one of the most interesting aspects of baseball, and it's from April to October. It's just fascinating to see managers uh, working their pieces in the bullpen. Yeah, did you, did you think... Francis Bowden would would ever maybe have a potential to be one of those like long relief guys, not necessarily in high leverage situations. Maybe, I mean, maybe he would, he would be the guy who's when you're up by five or six runs or you're down by five or six runs, maybe that's the guy you throw in there. I know he was, he's not really with the team right now, but at the same time, he was, he was someone we have seen very, very, very briefly in the past, what week or so. And I just, I wonder if, in a pinch, they might not go to him. Again, there are other guys, too, in the minors. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Hyunjin Ryu and his rehab start because, of course, Ryu will always be kind of tagged at the hip, attached to the hip to Ross Stripling just in terms of how their starts line up and, and how they kind of go together, it's, it would seem. But, I mean, other guys we haven't talked about a ton today or in the past couple of weeks or so, Thomas Hatch or Anthony Kay, these are guys that have in the past occupied those roles. Or, I mean, you would think can at the very least. Yeah, you know, the Blue Jays certainly have options in their farm system right now to try new things and see who succeeds and who doesn't. Francis seems like a perfectly good option. He was okay when he was here. He pitched just uh, two-thirds of an inning there, but he was fine. And again, does he provide you with long relief? I don't know. At, At this level, I don't know. He would need to be tested a little further and that's what that's what april and may are for like you said thomas hatch anthony k these are guys that have the potential of coming in k specifically i think would be uh probably a good uh long reliever or at least someone who can get out at a decent manner in the major league level there's plenty of time there's plenty of guys that need to be tested and that's what the blue jays are doing right now uh i i honestly don't know who would be I don't have an answer for you as to who would be the guy that guy yeah other yeah. than you know when Ross Stripling is back into the the bullpen I feel like he's option number one and whoever is uh whoever's behind him in that role is gonna have to prove himself in the coming months Nate Pearson huh yeah Nate Pearson huh? yes uh, that would <laughs> that would be an option the Blue Jays have indicated that they want him to be a starter that's the the goal here as he comes back from mono and he's you know, racking up his uh, his bullpens, his life BPs and BPs and whatnot. So, the Blue Jays want him to be a starter. That's the goal. They're stretching him out as a starter. But you know, in a pinch, he could definitely also be considered for a long relief role, at at least for now. You want to weigh in on what we're discussing as well or anything you saw from tonight's game, heard on tonight's game or over the past week or so, you can text us at 590-590, name and location, or you can give us a call, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. We are here until the top of the hour 
So you have some time to ring us up or text us. I see a text here from Ray and Aurora. I guess Zimmer is a lock on the team. OMG, which uh, you know what? It's, it certainly feels like that. Uh, Zimmer, of course, was batting ninth in the game two of the doubleheader. He had some good plays in the outfield, but that's about it, right? Like you and I are sitting here in baseball control, watching this team on the sat feed. And all I can, I think both of us, every time he went up to the plate and he, he struck out or immediately lined out or popped up or whatever, I think both of our reactions and dare I say the reaction of Ray and Aurora also was woof. Oh boy. <laughs> like here we go again. And again, right. Zimmer, I'm not saying he's a bad player by any means. Cause he's done some pretty good stuff. And I mean, it, it just feels, it just crazy to say that that home run he hit in Houston into the Crawford boxes seems like it's a fever dream. Like sometimes I wonder, Julia, did that really happen? I legit forgot that that happened show. <laughs> I I'm, and I'm sorry to Bradley Zimmer and, and all the Blue Jays fans out there. I forgot that that happened. I, I'm just I pulled up his baseball reference page here. He has struck out entering today. Okay. He struck out 16 times. He walked once Oof. and got three hits. So this is a guy that is struggling right now at the plate. Like you said, he's a he's a terrific outfielder. He's very good defensively. He is speedy. He is absolutely speedy at the bases. But he's just not he's just not there at the plate right now. There's there's some adjustment, there's something that needs to be done there because he has shown potential in the past. Right. He's just not finding himself right now. I uh, hear Unky in Thornhill, our caller, also wants to discuss Bradley Zimmer. Unky, are you are you a high or maybe as I might understand, probably a little lower on Bradley Zimmer? Sorry, what was that? Are you are where are you at on Bradley Zimmer? Yeah, well look. You know, uh, what, what has just been said is true. He is, he is a good outfielder. He is speedy on the base plates. But the only way he would get onto the, onto the bases is if he was a pinch runner. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Every time he comes in, you know it's a certain out. Uh, what's with the Blue Jays? Why are, they, why are they persevering with him? It's a good question. It's a good question, Uncle. Thank, thank you for the call. It's, uh, I just, I, you know, you look at what Zimmer you look at what Zimmer is doing and I can't help but think he's going to be one of those guys, Julia, that is, is not long for the major league team. Right. And again, I'm not saying I want the guy DFA'd right away, but at the same time, your glove in the outfield can only take you so far. Right. I mean, how many times, you know, especially in the early tenure of Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, did we talk about the whole five tool player thing. Bradley Zimmer has a lot of tools in the, in his toolbox, but one of the dullest tools, unfortunately is his hitting acumen at the plate. And when that's the case, I just, I don't know in today's MLB, if you're not getting on base really at all, uh, how valuable, how valuable really is that even for by, even by any analytical or non-analytical viewpoint, I agree with, I agree with the caller, right? I mean, if you're, you can pinch run Zimmer, he's a speedy guy. He, he, he moves well on the base paths. And we've had many a conversation in this past week about Zimmer, you know, whether or not he should have been pinch run for or so on, but his bat is just not there. Yeah, his uh, on-base percentage entering today was 132. That's really not what you want, especially from a team that's contending and, and, and vying for the top spot in the American League East. At the same time, you know, the return of Teoscar Hernandez is probably a good sign for the Blue Jays at, at that uh, in, on that front. So if Teoscar Hernandez is back, that, that's a, a spot in the outfield that will be occupied more often. And Bradley Zimmer was never meant to play every day. He was never meant to be an everyday outfielder or an everyday batter for the Blue Jays. 
So the Blue Jays are getting there. There's still some injuries. There's still some things that need to be addressed. George Springer was DHing in the second game today. He got some time off his feet. Bradley Zimmer, his time, his time and his at bats will be reduced a little bit, and maybe that's what he needs to sort of uh, warm up again and find his footing at the plate. Teoscar Hernandez being back is a good start. Absolutely, yeah. Teo, of course, not the most uh, heralded day for Teo in this game. Right, he had three ABs. He struck out twice. But you know what? He still made a couple of nice-looking plays in the outfield, which I think at the very least suggests that the oblique is okay, right? I mean, you, we played some of the audio in the pregame for game one, and it was the audio of, of Teo speaking to the media. And in that immediate availability, he basically said that there, like, he wouldn't have come back unless he was feeling oblique-wise 100%, right? And I think, I mean, you never want guys to be rushed back. And at 17, I guess entering today, the Blue Jays were 16 and 10, I guess, right? So... You know, if that's the case, you are 16 and 11, I guess. And that's a record where the the need for Teoscar Hernandez is not, you know, it's not a flashing red light, maybe like a slowly pulsing yellow light, <laughs> maybe, right? But at the same time, I think what you saw from him at the very least moving around in the outfield, I think is, is encouraging. And I was surprised that he even played the field. I thought he was going to DH, right. to be honest with you. I, th- I thought the Blue Jays were at, I don't know, be more careful. But the fact that he was in the outfield, to me, again, is a good sign uh, when it comes to his health. And he's swinging. He struck out twice because he's swinging and he's not afraid to actually go for it, which also indica- indicates that his health is in a good place. More importantly, the fact that now the Blue Jays have Hernandez hitting after Vladimir Guerrero Jr., what that does to that lineup in itself is uh, is tremendous. You know, Charlie Montoyo said maybe a month ago, he said, look, you don't want to pitch to Vladdy? Go ahead, pitch to Teo. Let's see how that goes. And so that opens up opportunities for the Blue Jays as well. Maybe not today, maybe not in this second game of the doubleheader. The Blue Jays looked a little jet-lagged. The Blue Jays looked a little tired in, in game two. But moving forward, that's a big win for this Blue Jays lineup. Yeah, Teoscar Hernandez being back, of course, no matter how you slice it, will be good long-term. Again, he took, he took some, as Barker would call them, uh, some big daddy hacks at the <laughs> at the ball from Tristan McKenzie. And again, McKenzie, I, I thought for a, for a young guy, a 24-year-old, you know, kind of a s- slight frame, he played very well today. I got to say, like he, well, I, I remember last year, I, don't, I forget if the game was at Rogers Center. I think it was. I, I, I think it was at Rogers Center. I don't think it was at Progressive Field. But they did face off against McKenzie last season, and McKenzie, I don't know if I'm going to, I would say he dominated, but he played very well then as well, as well right? And you kind of thought to yourself, oh man, maybe the, maybe, maybe the Guardians got something here with, with Tristan McKenzie, right? And he played again pretty well today, and he kept down the bats again well enough. Eight straight Blue Jays batters before he departed after the sixth inning. So again, a decent performance from him, but again, you have to, you have to hope and, and wonder why the offense is, is being held down a little bit. Again, you're not going to, you're not going to sock, you know, five to eight runs every single game. But at the same time, I, uh, I do understand some of the concerns. Like I see a text here on the text line from Jason and Thornhill. Hey guys, incredibly sloppy game on the base paths in game two. That's totally fair. Uh, need some accountability. Cannot win like that, especially with the offensive struggles. Miss the pop of Simeon or dare, dare I say it, Grichuk. Hope Vladdy and Teo can pick things back up. That's from Jason and Thornhill in the text line. Uh, Grichuk, I'll say this with Randall Grichuk. I, I've always been a, a relatively moderate fan <laughs> of Grichuk. I'll freely admit, but whenever Grichuk got off to a hot start, 
Julia, I've always felt like like Bart Simpson writing on the chalkboard. Like I, I will not be fooled by a Randall Grichuk hot start. I will not be fooled by a Randall Grichuk hot start. Like April, April Randall Grichuk should probably be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Right. It's the rest of the season you cannot have to worry about. Right. He's wearing glasses now, by the way. Is he really? Yeah. That's I don't know if you. I don't I've know not if seen you, that. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. It is a fashion statement, <laughs> and uh, I mean, maybe, what kind of glasses? Like thick. Oh, like sporty, sporty glasses. It's actually (laughs) really interesting to see. I don't know. Maybe that's why he needed show. Maybe (laughs) Maybe. now it'll be sustainable. Maybe, maybe they, the, the adjustment in Coors, something with the air in Colorado. Maybe, maybe he has to wear glasses now. Who knows? Who knows? But the fact is that Tristan McKenzie, I don't think we can say enough good things about him in this game. He was absolutely dominant. Four hits, two walks. Six strikeouts, two earned runs, and fourteen swings and misses. Yeah. That's not easy to do. Are you are you concerned about the offense at all? Like I I, I don't mean. And again, this is not like sounding the the alarm, like you're slamming the panic button here. Right. But I mean, I I do kind of get people's concerns when it comes to you know it looks some minor red flags being raised. And I mean, maybe it's maybe a product of that is hype because. You know, the Blue Jays socked so many home runs last year. They should be doing it again. Yes. But I just, uh, how how do you, Julia, kind of compare the offensive, relatively speaking, struggles to maybe a, what is a pretty tough schedule to start the year? The Blue Jays should not be getting four hits in an entire game against the Cleveland Guardians right. at this point. Four hits just won't do it. And this team is a team that's vying for a World Series. I'm not saying that it's World Series or bust. But that's very clearly their goal here. Four hits just won't do it. Now, that said, guys are putting up decent at-bats, right? You have Alejandro Kirk, and and you and I talked about Kirk uh, a few weeks ago, and you asked me if I was worried about him. I feel like there's a difference between a slump like Kirk's and a slump like Bo Bichette's, for example, where Bichette was just chasing everything, swinging at pitches out of, out of the zone. And a guy like Kirk is actually patient. He's taking his walks. He's getting on base. And then suddenly he gets a, an RBI. He gets another RBI. And things sort of start uh, looking up for him. Game one of this series, the Blue Jays sort of started warming up. Game one today was a terrific day for the, for the offense. And then you start thinking, okay, things are going back to normal. All right, now we're seeing what the Blue Jays are capable of. Now we're seeing what they can do when the offense is going and when Kevin Gosman is on the mound and when the bullpen is cooking and all and Blue Jays are just firing at all cylinders. And then they come back to game two and it's sloppy, like our, like our, read, our, our listener and texter said. It's tough. It's it's hard to it's hard to quantify or or identify what the Blue Jays are right now and what we can expect from them moving forward. I mean, I don't think that every game will be as problematic as this game two was. And I obviously the blue the Blue Jays offense has a lot more potential than it showed today in game two, but. Games like 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 this last one show do start uh, to raise a bit of concern in my mind for sure. So the texter Jason from Thornhill he had said a sloppy game on the base pass needs some accountability, 
And I guess the two plays that that immediately stick out in my mind from today was uh, George Springer running from first to second, then turning around mid throw, and then diving back to the first base bag. And he was he was uh, the you know the glove swipes across his bag. He's out. And the second one was the Santiago Espinal uh, run for third, right? And of course, I think it was Ernie Clement who, and I, I guess there was some, he was at third and I guess there was, there's some merit that maybe he pushed Espinal off the base, maybe, but you know, he was Espinal dove with such force and momentum that, you know, the re, I, I could see why they didn't review it and they kind of just played on because, you know, it's pretty easy to make the the argument that he was just his momentum was taking him off the base anyways. But I, either way, I, I see those two examples and there are probably a couple other ones I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now, but those two in particular, I kind of agree, right? I mean, you know, you have good at bats like you were talking about and it shows some discipline from the guys at the plate. Not to, not, I don't want to say they're wasted necessarily by errors in the base paths, but it does feel like for a team that it has this much, this much potential that those kind of errors should just not be happening given that, I mean, again, maybe you can excuse Espinal to a degree as a young guy, but George Springer shouldn't be doing stuff like that. Yeah, the Springer one was bad. I think that he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar or a deer in the headlights or whatever analogy you want to use. That was just a bad play. I will disagree with you in the Espinal play. I okay. think that at that point in the game, I think it was second inning. It was 3-2, two, two outs. That showed confidence to me. He is a good base runner. He's not the best on the team, but he's a good base runner. That was a hard hit ball. And props to the Cleveland defense as well that got that that ball back into third base before he could get there. And again, like a lot of momentum he did sort of travel away from the base in a weird way. But that's the type of play that you want. That's the type of risk that the Blue Jays should be taking in the second inning of a close game. Another uh, play that came to mind uh, for me show was mm -hmm. when Vladdy got picked off. Right. Yeah. So that's first. happened a couple times now, not today, obviously, but just in the last couple of games. Right. 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 To me, that was sloppy. To me, that yeah, was something that in, he got picked off standing up. It's not like he even like tried to dive or anything like that. So yes, not a very uh, heads up play by the guy that should be the reference point right. on this team's offense. Is that is that something that is just like a young player that needs to know better? You know, you know what I mean? Like is that something that it just changes with experience or, you know, is that <laughs> you think that's something we're going to see from Laddie like his whole career essentially? I don't think so. I think definitely experience helps with that, but like I said, he has the experience and he has the knowledge. He is the focal point right. of the Blue Jays offense and and that's why I sort of looked at this game too and, and the Blue Jays just looked tired. They looked fatigued. They looked jet lagged. A little out of focus maybe? Yes, exactly. A little out of focus. That would be a good way to put it. So yeah, the concentration just, just wasn't there for those plays. And and then that's what happened. It's an A two game where you just rack up four hits and two walks. It's it's definitely a learning opportunity for these young guys and and some valuable experience and uh they will be better ball players because of it, but the Blue Jays get the loss. The Blue Jays do take the loss today in game two of the doubleheader, eight to two to the Cleveland Guardians. Splitting things, they win the first one, eight to three, lose game number two, eight to two. But you're listening to Jays Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're going to step aside when we come back. We'll go back to the text line, 590 416-870-0590, 1-888-666-0590, star 590 on your cells where you can reach us via phone. Back to the phone lines and the text line after the break. 
Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Julia Kreutz here with you. We're here until the top of the hour. Jay's splitting the doubleheader, an 8-3 win and an 8-2 loss. We're at Baseball Control in the Crown Rust Protection broadcast booth. Protect your vehicle with Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. Book your appointment today. Crown, protect, maintain, and save. But Julia, before we get back to the text line and the phone lines, Let's quickly check in on the Bet365 standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 63 million members worldwide. 19 plus play responsibly, Ontario only. And if you look at the standings after game two of the doubleheader, the Blue Jays are 17 and 12. So that puts them squarely in the middle of the AL East. The Yankees are 18 and seven. Again, they did not play today. They have not played yesterday. So they have a lot of games to be rescheduled with, with inclement weather in New York. Uh, Tampa Bay is playing right now. They are 17 and 10 Toronto 17 and 12. So they're a half game back or pardon me, a full game back. And uh, the O's 10 and 16, the Red Sox 10 and 18. So, you know, you look at things for the Red Sox and the Orioles, they're probably going to be occupying the, the basement of the AL East much of the year. But I mean, with the trip with the Rays coming to town, or I guess the, the Blue Jays heading down to the trop, I should say next weekend, the situational hitting for the Blue Jays and taking advantage of the parade of relievers in Tampa Bay has to be something that's going to be top of mind for the Blue Jays, right? I mean, I, I can't say I'm not concerned about some of the offensive struggles, and we did talk about that, but at the same time, I mean, the the factory of relievers basically down at Tropicana Field, they have I can't even name most of them, right? I mean, there's Jalen Beeks and there's Matt Whistler and there's Josh Fleming who sometimes works as an opener and a bulk guy and all, all these different guys. All of these guys are going to be playing against the blue Jays basically next weekend. And they have to be a little bit better at, uh, at, at situational hitting here. Record number of pitchers for the Rays oh, uh, this year. Yeah. Show. It's been, it's, it's been fascinating to watch, but also problematic for, for the team. And you're right. The, that this is when, and this is the right place for the Blue Jays' offense to sort of heat up, to find its footing. They've started to, okay? The Cleveland series has been a, a borderline success so far, I would say, for the Blue Jays' offense. Um, but they have to keep it going. It's, uh, it's still not enough. You know, someone we're going to see... Uh, likely we're going to see, I can't say this is going to happen with, with a 100% certainty, but someone we're likely going to see against the Rays at some point is Hyunjin Ryu. And of course, Ryu, had he been healthy, would have started today, but uh, Ross Stripling got the start. Of course, Hyunjin Ryu did have a rehab start with the Buffalo Bisons earlier today. He had went four innings pitched. He allowed five hits, five runs. Two of them were earned, no walks and six strikeouts. He threw 74 pitches, 49 of them were strikes. And look, Ryu, Hanjin Ryu at this point in his career, it's not, a, I mean, it's not a, a, anything new to say that he's never, he's never really been a flamethrower, right? He's always been, as we've always discussed since he signed here, he's been the deception pitcher and nibbles and, 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 and deceives and, you know, kind of gets you here and there. But Ryu, I mean, I, I understand you hear those numbers, four innings pitched, five hits, five runs, two of them earned. Nah, you know, not super inspiring for a rehab start, right? But at the same time, I, I will say for those who didn't watch the game or hear the game, um, he didn't get helped by some things in that game. Like he, there was a two out, two on throwing error by one of the Bisons that basically got in two runs, and ultimately he he's responsible for that. Absolutely, but uh, at the same time, I just I can't help but think that 
Yes, Hyunjin Ryu has had some good games in Tampa, but at the same time, Tampa, I've said this to you before, they're like the zombie team of the AL East. It doesn't matter how many pitchers they sell, how many guys get injured, whatever. They are always going to be, it seems, in the in the thick of the AL East uh, race here. Yeah, and Ryu, he might need another rehab start. He might not be at 100%. We really don't know um, with the with the Blue Jays away, we can't really, and me more specifically here in Toronto, it's tough to get more information and talk to Pete Walker and things like that. He may need another rehab start. And and uh, Charlie Montoyo did say that they would see how things went after this first start. His command seems to be there. It's just a matter of uh, is it uh, it is it good enough for the? It, first of all, is he healthy enough? And second of all, is his stuff there? That so that he can be successful again in the major leagues. Right, right. And again, I the way that the rotation shakes out. I mean, we saw uh, we saw Gosman and Stripling today. Tomorrow we're going to see Alec Manoa. There's no game on Monday, which means on Tuesday we're going to see Yusei Kikuchi. And then the rotation turns over. Barrios on. I guess it would be Wednesday. No game on Friday. Gosman on uh, on. Sorry, no game on Thursday, Gosman on Friday, and then Ryu or Stripling on Saturday, you would imagine. Correct. And at, at this point, uh, I don't know, like, doesn't it just kind of feel, I have no real way to quantify this, but it just doesn't it just kind of feel that it, whether or not it was Ryu or Stripling, getting four innings out of either of them, I, I almost against the Rays, I feel like would be seen as a win, kind of. Yes. Yes, I would agree with you. It's it's a tough decision, and, and again, we have to wait and hear more about how Ryu felt after this start and, and, and where the Blue Jays think that he is in terms of his rehab. It, this is not something that the Blue Jays want to rush. At the same time, the Blue Jays could use uh, some vintage Ryu right oh, now. Yeah. I feel like it would be... It would be a nice addition. Is he there? We don't know. But his command seems to be. And now with with a guy like Ryu, the finesse needs to be there too. You can't leave those hanging curveballs. You have to be deceptive in order to in order to to be successful, especially against a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, who are just you never know what you're gonna get with them. You talk about situational hitting, that's a team that can uh, make you pay in a hurry with guys. I mean, certainly you're afraid of guys like, uh, I don't know, Wander Franco, for example, but you're, you, know, right. you can't, you can't take Yandy Diaz or Manuel Margot, who I feel like historically has done pretty well against the blue Jays. You can't take any at G man Choi. You can't take any of these guys for granted really at any time. So, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see on next weekend. You know, if we look ahead to tomorrow, Alec Manoa is headed to the mound for the blue Jays. Connor Pilkington, is going for Cleveland. I was kind of hoping selfishly we would see Cal Quantrill just because he's a Canadian baseball player. And I was telling you that uh, in one of the, in one of the breaks here during the game that I'm a, I'm a sucker for the Canadian baseball player stories as I am for Mississauga, Josh, uh, Josh Naylor. And honestly, the whole Naylor family, really Bo Naylor, Miles Naylor as well as younger kids. But you look at tomorrow's game and I think it would, I don't want to jinx them, but you would think it would bode well that, they got out of the two best starters currently active for the Cleveland Guardians. You would think it bodes well that they got to Shane Bieber. He did not. I mean, again, whether you want to credit that to him just not having it, whether you want to credit it to the weather, whatever. He he was not good in game one of the doubleheader. Tristan McKenzie, much better. But those guys are done now, right? Connor Pilkington is, 
you know, he's he's fine, I suppose. He's not exactly a, a one of the more feared pitchers in Major League Baseball. It's just one of those things where you would expect a lineup like the Blue Jays, especially with Teoscar Hernandez back, you would expect them to be able to take advantage of him. Yeah, but we've learned that <laughs> our expectations with this team are uh, are seldom met. Right. And that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. It really depends on the day. The Blue Jays are finding their consistency, and they will find their consistency. They right. will find their stride. I'm not worried about that. The thing is, is that when Alec Manoa is on the mound, you know that more often than not, this team is going to get a win. That's what history has, has told us. That's what uh, the numbers have taught us. And if you ask Charlie Montoyo, he is absolutely confident whenever Alec Manoa takes them out. Manoa will be pitching at Mother's Day. He will have his mother there in Cleveland yeah. uh, to watch him. He's probably still a little miffed about uh, his last start, <laughs> which broke uh, a streak of wins for the Blue Jays when he was, when he was uh, starting. And, that was that was the Yankees game with uh, all the maybe the perhaps the missed calls. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pass judgment in any way on those calls. I'm not saying you that can. the umpires hey, hey, were. This is, this is the place to do it if you want to, <laughs> Julia. <laughs> You're allowed to. But uh, and he was not happy after that start. I spoke to him after the game, and he was very clear in saying that to him those were both both uh, runners were out there, and 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 things should have been different. He said, "Look, it doesn't matter." They scored nine runs. We got our butts kicked. He was very candid in that interview, but he was also saying, "Hey, I'm going to look forward. I'm going to I'm going to look ahead onto the next one." And so I would imagine that he has a little bit of extra energy in him to go out there and uh, put up solid numbers again tomorrow. Hey, look, the Cleveland Guardians are not the New York Yankees. They're just not right. I mean, the New York Yankees are one of the better teams in Major League Baseball right now, and they have one of the better bullpens, dare I say, probably the best bullpen uh, performance-wise. Maybe phenomenal in, bullpen. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there are a few guys in that bullpen you would feel comfortable about having any batter face, no matter which team you are. But the Guardians are not are not the same, right? The Guardians are not the same. We saw Class A pitch tonight. I mean, he didn't pitch a lot, so I would imagine if it's a close game, he's probably going to be going tomorrow anyways. But, I mean, on the, on the flip side, the nice thing about the Blue Jays, despite the loss today in game number two, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, if Alec Manoa does get into trouble, and again, I think history has shown us there's a, there's a, the chances are lower that he will against a lineup like the Guardians, but Mesa, Simber, and Richards are all available. And on top of that, there's a day off on Monday. So if they need them to go a little bit extra, maybe you can get away with that for four outs if that's what you're not. Like we were talking about before, because, but again, I mean, how much do you really think you're going to need that with Alec Manoa on the mound? Right. I mean, that is the perfect setup for the Blue Jays and, and the perfect opportunity to split this series evenly. Yeah. It was never going to be an easy series. The schedule is insane right now and in the travel alone uh puts a lot of you know it takes a toll on a player's body especially uh, in the midst of this many consecutive games but blue jays have a nice opportunity here to split this series and they are in the best position to to do so most likely with manoa on the mound and all of these top-notch relievers available say oscar hernandez is back now they just have to find the offense show. The offense. That's been the it, it, not super elusive problem because the game, the team is still 17 and 12, right? But at the same time, 
it does feel like they are underachieving based on what you know they're capable of, right? It's just funny because I feel like the conversation has has focused a lot around, well, when Teoscar Hernandez comes back, it'll be fine. And today was the very first day for him back off a lengthy stint on the IL. His, his, his rehab assignment wasn't even that long in the first place. So again, conditioning is a thing. He's going to have to get back into 100% game day shape. And I think it's, un, it's an underrated aspect of all that stuff that, you know, your routines that you don't always have, maybe just dis, that are already disrupted when you're on the road, you know, you take some time to get that back with you, especially when you get back to Rogers center. But I, it's funny. Cause I think the conversation will now turn to when does Danny Jansen return, right? And when does Nate Pearson return? And when does Hyunjin Ryu return? When Danny Jansen is back and you can do different things with Zach Collins and Alejandro Kirk, and now that Teoscar Hernandez is back on a more full-time basis, you can do different things with Tapia, and you can maybe bat Zimmer a little less. I have a feeling, you know, especially with a little couple more days off coming in May, only one day off in April and four days off in May, I have a feeling that the worm might turn here a little bit. That's the hope. Uh, and, and, and you're absolutely right. There's so much that still needs to come together for this team. The real issue, if there is to be a real issue, mm-hmm. will probably present itself when everyone is back and healthy. And if the team is still struggling, then I would say it's the time to to be worried. For now, it's early. They have been bitten by a little bit of a of an injury bug. Schedule is crazy. They're facing so many winning teams in a row. Again, they're they're going out to New York to face the Yankees. They're going to Tampa Bay after that. Even if May is not as successful of, of a month, maybe if, maybe May won't be as successful right, as April. Right. It's not the time to panic by any means. But the Blue Jays do have the tools to leave Cleveland with a 50% uh, win uh, win rate there I'd say it's possible and I'd say that's that's the most likely outcome show yeah but I think the schedule lightens a little bit again four days off for the Blue Jays including two this coming week one on Monday and one on Thursday so things do ease up a little bit Julia this was fun I hope we get to do this again soon always fun uh, hanging out with you show happy Mother's Day thank you very much well I'm not a mother but I will pass it along to my mom and thank yours you as well much. all right Uh, That's MLB.com's Julia Kreutz. Thank you for listening to another edition of Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side baseball fans. The Jays split the doubleheader. They are back to wrap up in Cleveland tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.